Hello, welcome to Mediation Station tonight. This is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHH 1610AM and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting either of SoundCloud.com or iTunes podcasts under Mediation Station in the Arts area. Please follow us at our Twitter account, which is at Fenton Mediation. Our topic tonight is called Adversity, Navigating Through Life Changes, with our visitors Vanita Puri and Melanie Tadeo. And they'll both be with me shortly. What we're going to do tonight, we're going to start with one and then transition to the other person. They're going to be calling in. And uh, we're going to engage in a good conversation amongst the, the three of us, though in segments. I'm going to start off here and engage with Venita. Venita, you there? Yes, I'm here. All right, cool. All right, good. This worked? This is good? How's the volume? Yeah, it's fine. I can adjust it here. Okay. And uh, you sound fine. Perfect. And you look great, too. Okay? Oh, if it's okay you. for me to say and that. New hairstyle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you were here in December, yes. about the 29th of this yes. past year, the 2019, and we had a conversation together. And you also were wearing a sash. I just want to pull, put that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that about? So that was, uh, that's for Miss Galaxy. So I'm uh, the title holder for Miss Galaxy Mississauga 2020. Um, since that time, actually, I've also, now I'm one of the nine delegates uh, representing Canada for Miss Universe Canada. So that's pretty exciting for me. I have a question asked. Do you get another sash? I do. I do. And perhaps a tiara as well. Do you have to wear both sashes, and like, which one do you wear wear on your on, on yourself? So they're different pageants. So for different pageants, uh, the appearances that I would make would be uh, based on that thing. So, for example, if I'm doing some community service or mm-hmm. something in the name of that particular brand or that particular pageant, then I would be wearing a sash for that particular pageant. Um, but for Miss Universe, there's a lot more, there's different events that they also plan for us, and then there's events that I would plan on my own if that's what's required. Um, so there's just different requirements for uh, both pageants, and then when we're making an appearance on behalf of that, then that's what we wear. Okay, I'm just wondering if there was a conflict there, in case no, you had no. to wear both sashes at once. like. No, no, that, that would definitely be a conflict. Yeah. Well, if you needed a mediator, you can call in. And, oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, right. So how would you uh, explain a bit about your professional background? Sure. Um, I, I'm very blessed to say that I'm a social worker and an educator, and I feel that it's more than a profession for me. It's, it's my calling and my life purpose. I basically I do clinical psychotherapies and conflict resolution services for individual couples, families, and groups. Um, I'm also doing some workplace intervention work now as well. Um, that means basically going into organizations, helping them with risk management, strategic planning, 
that kind of stuff. So I, I really enjoy coaching and consulting and training. And what I love about the field of social work is it's so broad. There's, there's just so many things that you can do. And uh, I've been very fortunate that over the past 20 years now, just uh, where time flies, I've, uh, I've had the privilege of working with so many diverse communities um, across Canada, actually, because I lived in Vancouver and Victoria as well and also in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I've worked, um, you know, I worked uh, with you as well at uh, Conflict Mediation Services down to you. And I've worked in correctional facilities. I've worked in drug and alcohol treatment centers. I've worked in hospitals. I've worked in educational institutions. So I've, I've sort of done, uh, I, I have had a huge exposure to so many different types of populations and people and diverse uh, ways of thinking. And so it, it's really it's been such a rich, blessed experience for me. Yeah, and you, I sense from that, you, from the experience of working with diversity and working with difference and people going through different lived experience, it's so enriching for you to get this, that, that reward of other people's lived experiences. And so you, you know, that mm-hmm. somehow, and I understand you're an empath, mm-hmm. that you, you know, you take that information and you... You try and see how it will help then transition and transcend to another person. Mm-hmm. So, how would you describe yourself? Well, that's a perfect transition. I'm a multifaceted, multi-dimensional person. I would say I'm very diverse as a person, um, and I'm, I love to learn. I honestly, I think I'm just so passionate about learning. As much as I love teaching, I love being a learner. I've spent most of my life in school. I've uh, I, I, I'm actually going to say something on air that I'm really excited to uh, say. I just found out two days ago that I, I got accepted into my PhD in yeah. educational psychology. And it's been a dream of mine to pursue my PhD. It's just, uh, it's such a undertaking and a commitment to do. And it's, the, it's honestly the perfect fit for me because I love teaching and I love psychology. I love learning how the brain works and what drives human behavior. So if I were to really describe myself, I, I mean, I've had two master's degrees. I went to the University of Cambridge in the UK. I studied neuroscience and sort of the risk and protective factors that impact uh, whether someone's going to become violent or not. Um, so before I did criminology, I, I did social work, of course, and um, I teach anger management programs and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy programs in prisons. So I've just done so many different things, and the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. <laughs> it, doesn't it raise your curiosity even more so when you does. get exposed like, to something? It's just so fast. It's like we're these little stars in the universe, and the more I learn, the more I want to know more. And it's, it's, I just love being a student. I, I love learning, and I love learning from people. And it's not just from books, absolutely not. I love meeting people. I'm such a social person, and I think that's why I love social media so much. I'm always, uh, you know, attracted to different posts and different things, the way that people present themselves and with their platforms, how they identify with different artistic, creative aspects of themselves. And I love, for example, posting quotes, uh, inspiring quotes that get people to really think. And out of curiosity, wonder, you know, how does this relate to me? 
And that in itself can be very therapeutic as well. Mm -hmm. So when I say adversity, Mm -hmm. what comes to mind for you? I would say adversity to me is um, trying to be resilient. And resilient is sort of a nickname that I have for myself. It means trying to overcome challenges in life. And everybody has challenges. There's, there's nobody in this world who does not experience some form of challenge in their life. It may be, um, you know, it's a spectrum, of course, but it's how we deal with those challenges and the grace that comes from the ability to overcome those uh, challenging trials and tribulations. Though I would say that when people do get or go through adverse situations or get connected to adversity, that they may not always be aware that it's adversity to the context of another person. What I mean from that, it's very subjective, too. Mm-hmm. Of course. No, of course it is. And the thing is, when you're in it, it's like um, you may not realize that it's actually a gift. It's a lesson. Because uh, to me, when I talk to my clients, I try to use the metaphor of exercise. So we can't really build muscle unless we work out at the gym, right, unless we, you know, lift some weight. And when we go through difficult life experiences, they are supposed to teach us something. You know, if I was a spoiled kid and I got everything I wanted all the time, I wouldn't really learn the value of something. I wouldn't appreciate things. And I'm just thinking about COVID right now, for example. I mean, so many clients have been calling me. I've been overwhelmed with work right now. Is Is that creating some adversity for you? Uh, I mean, for me, I feel yeah. very blessed that I'm I'm in the front line, um, that I have this opportunity to, to give back to people. So I'm actually, sometimes I don't even charge people. I've been giving free consultations. Uh, some people have no money right now. They're really struggling. People mm-hmm. are having panic attacks. They've lost all their money. They've lost their investments. They're having spikes. Domestic violence is going up. Like, it's, it's nuts. Like, you know, addictions, everything. So I, I really feel called, like a soldier, to duty right now. Um, I'm, I'm busy all the time, but I, I'm so grateful. I really feel it's my life's purpose and my gift. Well, let, let, let's focus on you in terms of the adversity. Yeah. What situations or experiences with adversity have you had? Do you have? So many. <laughs> The ones um, I wanted to really talk about today um, yeah. is, is actually my, my disabilities that I've had. Um, so uh, there's two. First of all, I, I was born with a congenital birth defect known as aniridia. So basically in both eyes, and it's, it's an invisible disability because when somebody looks at me, they may not know that. But um, basically the glare from light, it, it, I am not... I don't have a filter in my iris, like it's not complete in either eye, mm-hmm. so I'm not able to filter light properly. So it affects my ability to read, and for somebody like me who loves learning, you can imagine how um, challenging that must have been for me. Um, but I, I never let that stop me from learning, and um, I always... You know, I, I, I got the support from the Canadian National Institute of the Blind. Mm-hmm. I, I got assistive technology. You know, my parents, my family was very supportive. I got books on tape through audio and things like that. So, um, and why I love technology, why I'm on the computer all the time is that, you know, you can blow screens up and you can darken backgrounds and things like that. So 
Um, that's that that before technology became what it is now, it was more challenging because I remember being in school, we didn't even have computers. Like when I was in high school, that's when computers were invented. <laughs> so it was really difficult for me in the early part of my life. I experienced so much bullying because I really was squinting all the time, both sitting in the front of um, you know, the the class mm -hmm. and the kids would uh, poke at me, make fun of me and laugh at me and um, I was this little kid with two braids. I grew up with my grandparents and my, my uh, you know, I was traditional and so uh, the food I would bring to school was like, you know, Indian food and so kids would laugh and say, oh, you, you smell like curry and this and that. So I faced a lot of adversity um, through that as well, like just being bullied and and mm -hmm. made fun of. I never had any friends. Um, it was difficult back then. There weren't a lot of kids of, of my background. Um, and it, it hurt. It hurt a lot. And, um, you know, I, I had gained a lot of weight. I mean, food was my comfort. And um, so I just had very low self-esteem. So you've mentioned about situations that caused adversity in your life. Mm -hmm. And you had a certain experience with regard to that, how you intersected with that, how it somewhat maybe it affected you. It was more yeah. on you. At what point in your life did you change things in terms of trying to deal with things? Because what I heard earlier is that mm -hmm. these were situations that you were totally uncomfortable with, mm -hmm. unwanted, imposed on you. Mm -hmm. You may have not had the same sense of awareness and uh, empowerment from within to then deal with them. So mm -hmm. at one point, and how did you transition? Well, I just wanted to uh, sort of finish off what I was saying is that what, what compounded my experience was that I developed a disorder that I didn't even know I had called endometriosis and adenomyosis. And I, did, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 33 years old. I had severe uh, pain, uh, monthly pain, um, uh, you know, that normally, you know, women do have menstruation, but this was beyond normal. Um, and it was so severe that I was, um, you know, falling down. I was falling unconscious sometimes. Um, I had very low iron levels. I couldn't concentrate. And so kids were already making fun of me. And I felt unusual and different. And then on top of it, I was having this severe chronic pain that just got worse and worse as I got older. So I had to have um, my first surgery, which is a diagnostic surgery, and I was told I had stage four endometriosis. And I was like, what? What is that? Um, and it really affected my life because at that time I was married, and my husband was not very compassionate. He um, thought it was all in my head, mm -hmm. that I, I was a victim, and I complained a lot. And and he grew up like in a sort of a tough like. He was tough, and uh, he had a lot of hard adversity that he faced as well. So um, he didn't have a he didn't show a lot of compassion towards me, and I we used to argue all the time, and which is why now I'm I'm divorced, mm -hmm. which was a very adverse. It was very difficult because I felt alone in my marriage. Yeah, and and it's really hard when you. Um, you're trying to be strong, and I was working, and I was also doing my master's part-time at the same time, and I was trying to build my career, and he didn't really like as well that I was, like from a gender perspective, that I um, 
I was so independent and I wanted to pursue my career. Mm -hmm. So I thought once I'm married that my priority should be at home and having kids, but I couldn't even have kids because of endometriosis. Um, I I was basically infertile. Mm -hmm. And it was was really, really tough. Um, So, you know, I ended up getting, when I had my divorce, I felt like my life was done. Like, what am I going to do now? Um, And um, I was healing and I was getting better and that's when I was teaching. Teaching is the only thing that saved me because I was a college professor at that time and um, I was really depressed. The only thing I, I got happiness from was teaching and my students. And uh, I set quotes up on the wall, you know, inspirational quotes telling people, you can be anything you want to be. And um, my, my students scared me. They said, well, ma'am, what, what do you want to do with your dreams? I said, oh, probably just more school. <laughs> I've always went to go to Cambridge or Oxford or something. So, so they dared me to apply. So could and, I, could I yeah. like, uh-huh. I mean, that was the way you found to cope. Yes, yes. Going back to school. Yeah, in some way was it, yes. and you tell me if I'm wrong, it was, yes. it, was it a way to escape too? Yeah, absolutely. I escaped. I went to the UK. I got away for a couple of years, but when I came back, uh, it was less, it was less painful, but I, I still felt alone and I, um, you know, I, I had that voice. Uh, and, you know, after so much financial loss, I uh, lost my business as well. I worked really hard. Uh, my private practice shut down. Um, there's been many, many things in my life that um, I thought I, I was so excited about. And then when I um, went through it, it, it was a letdown. And so... So it's been hard, but what what the what I would say is that I've reached a point now that I've had so many failures and disappointments in my life that I have just surrendered and given up on actually making a plan. I know that sounds strange because my whole profession is based on setting goals mm-hmm. and <laughs> how to reach those goals, uh, but. I've seen that life is dynamic and there's so many things that are out of our control. And if we try to hold on to things that we have no control of, all we're going to do is be frustrated. How did you get your mindset to transition? This is what I was trying to, in some way, where you you had all this imposition on you and it was this coming at you and it just overwhelmed you and you succumbed to it. And then something happened. Yeah, so I, I, that's why like, uh, Instagram is resilient six, uh, 16, because in 2016, I was, I had moved to Victoria. I was living by myself. I, after my divorce and everything, it was, it was a, it was a, a place I bought by myself. Um, and I, I decorated and everything again because I felt like I lost that part of myself. And so I wanted to give that to myself again. And it was during that time of loneliness. I was extremely lonely. I just worked and I came home every day to an empty apartment. And that time when I was by myself is when I really grew spiritually. So um, I was raised in a very spiritual home, but I started to, I had forgotten, I guess I was so busy in life, but I, I started to pray again. I started to meditate. Mm-hmm. I, I, I asked God for, like, you know, I give up. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to live in the UK? Am I supposed to live in Victoria? I'm away from my family now. But I didn't want to go back to Toronto because I had so much hurt. I Not just my marriage, but I had other boyfriends and I've had breakups. And 
uh, lost my house, lost my business, like a lot of loss in Toronto. So I wanted to escape. Yeah. And I didn't want to come back. And it's embarrassing. Like, you know, people think, oh, well, she, your daughter, she moved away and now she's back again. And she moves away again and she comes back. And so I didn't want my family to have to deal with that either. So um, I just kind of stayed there. But then I, I miss my family. I love my family. So yeah. I was really torn. And then, but at that time, I just said, you know what, God, like, whatever you have planned for me, I'm just going to follow it. And, and I'm just going to have faith that it's going to work out because nothing lasts forever. Things always change dynamically in the universe. So I, I think my faith is what really helped me, to be honest with you. Um, because since then, when I gave up and I surrendered, like a wave in the ocean, that's when all these miraculous things that I would never have dreamed in my life started turning up for me. Like, I would never think somebody like me would be in a beauty pageant. You know, I had the worst self-esteem. I was not into beauty at all. I was just in the books. Like, that's, that's not who I was at all. But I, I, somehow these opportunities came where it's like God is saying, no, you, you are worthy, you are beautiful, you are, and I wasn't even looking for it. But these opportunities presented themselves to me. Yeah, and you also made the conscious decision to engage with them to enter within that space, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. navigate through them, not yeah. around them or avoid them. Yes, yes. Why did yeah, you, do, you decide to do it that way? Well, I think, again, it goes back to my nature. I, I'm a risk taker by nature. I'm also very open-minded. I love learning. As you know, I love psychology. I, I love understanding why people do what they do. And I'm a very experiential learner. So the only way I know if I like something or I don't like something is if I do it. I'm not one to just from far away uh, assess something. So, you know, uh, the opportunity presented itself where, um, you know, I was contacted. I had some pictures taken from my brother's wedding. Somebody saw my pictures, a photographer in Vancouver, and she mm -hmm. said, oh, do you do, like, you, you just do Indian weddings or do you do Canadian, like, English weddings as well? And I said, I don't I didn't do anything. <laughs> right. I'm not a model or anything. But then, you know, she asked me to come and then, I started having photo shoots and modeling things, and then other photographers started contacting me, and then before you knew it, I was in a fashion show. Like, it's sort of like the waves of the ocean just started taking me away to different lands and places. So then it just became exciting and fun for me. Oh, what's going to happen now? Like, you know, anything can turn up, and it actually makes life more exciting because when you plan everything... Predictability? I, it's actually boring for me. I, I find, you know, routine very boring. I can't even eat the same breakfast every day. <laughs> so I, I just want to yeah, yeah. be, because I, I know we only have a short time left because we're going to transition yeah. after the break to uh, Melanie. Yeah. What does having this conversation mean to you? You know, it's an opportunity. It's a platform, again, which is why I uh, started taking part in the pageants to express my views because when I was going to school, I never had the opportunity to express myself. I was too scared. Mm -hmm. And now being an educator, public speaker, motivational speaker, this is an opportunity for me to inspire other people who could maybe resonate with, you know, something that I've said today in terms of the adversity I've experienced. Um, I had a lot of shame about my disability, about my vision about my um, endometriosis, like it was embarrassing. I've had my third surgery now, and I want people to know that even though I've had all these barriers, 
you know, I'm doing my PhD, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, uh, I have three master's degrees. I, I'm a successful businesswoman. I have a great social life. I'm a full, complete person, even if I have those disabilities. I am more than just my disability, and that's the message I want to leave today. And in terms of, you know, providing an opportunity for people to appreciate our conversation, especially on adversity, and especially in light of what's happening outside current time with COVID, anything that you want to part with in terms of this piece here? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, my, my clients teach me something every day that, you know, there's so much to be grateful for. I think COVID is actually made people look um, at themselves and spend time with their families. And I see the value in that. And, you know, we're, we take things for granted, like freedom, just to go to the grocery store and pick up a few things, you know. But, you know, with this COVID, this, our, our freedoms have been restricted. So people now, I think, once we finally get our freedom, mm-hmm. people are going to appreciate each other more. They're going to appreciate every single day about, about life and about things. If it wasn't long enough, I think people would forget but there's so much good that's come out of this. We've seen humanity, we've seen people donating food at food banks or, or uh, you know, raise money for PPE. And, mm-hmm. Like we've seen the best in humanity as well. And I, that the world has come together like, like never before. And I think that's very powerful. That means we can do it. We can use technology, which is amazing. Technology and yeah. social media is amazing. That we can, we can help each other. We can learn from each other. We can uh, build some solidarity and, and get over this hump as a, as a global community. Okay, I want to I thank you very much for putting yourself out there again to provide a space for yourself, though I think it also opens up a space for others to feel that they're not alone and that they can somewhat connect with the uh, experiences in some way. Of course, it's their, each person has ownership of their own, so thanks very much. Thank you so okay. much for having me on the show again. I really appreciate this All right. opportunity. Have, have, Thank a, you. have a good night. All right. Thank you too. Bye. Bye-bye. And we're talking tonight, adversity, navigating through life changes. And the first segment was with Vanita Puri. And now I have somebody else. And this person also has a story to share. Her name is Melanie Tadeo. Hi, Melanie. You there? I am. Hi, Greg. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Excellent. You know, multitasking is yeah. part of the, the thing here. <laughs> Amazing technology, and it was great. I was listening to Vanita as she spoke, and I'm like, okay, got a call. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> yeah, and thanks for doing this. And, you know, let's open this up to explore the perspective of how you connect with adversity. Let's start off first with you sharing some information about your background, your professional background. I'm a special education teacher, uh, over 20 years experience in fundraising program development, and I'm the founder of Connect for Life Charity, a charity that helps individuals with disabilities access education and training programs, and a radio station, Voices for Ability Radio, which is the first online radio station for, about, and by people with, in, with disabilities. Um, in Canada, and uh, it's great because everything that is done for the radio station is done by in- individuals with disabilities. Right. When you say disabilities, can yeah. you unpack that a bit? Sure. So, you know,
you know, there's so many disabilities, and Connect for Life serves everybody of all abilities or disabilities, whether it's a physical disability, a learning disability, or visual, you know, vision loss, whatever it may be, um, mental health, depression, all of those uh, things, uh, we, we cover it all. So anybody that comes to us, we will definitely be there to serve them 18 and over. How, how would you describe yourself? What words would come into play I'm to define yourself or identify how you okay. define yourself? I'm passionate. I'm an educator. I love to tell. I love storytelling. I love sharing my story or um, you know experiences that others have shared with me to help uh, others learn. Um, as I mentioned, background teaching. So that's definitely something that Vinny and I have in common is the teaching, the passion for teaching and changing lives. You know, there's nothing more rewarding than watching an individual learn something or that will help change their life because really, truly, no matter what it is that we do, because knowledge is lifelong learning, it helps. And just being a part of that process is just so empowering. In terms of values as regards your life, what things do you appreciate or, you know, Take take for not take for granted in the sense that hey, you're more self aware about them in relation to your world and the world around you. Well, family has always been a big part of my life. Uh, I grew up with I have oh my gosh three younger sisters. Um, My mom and dad we're a very very close knit family. My background my dad's Italian, my mom's Canadian, and so just really was focused on family growing up and. So having that strong pillar of background, you know, it's always been there to help me. So my values, obviously, you know, you work hard, you have good work ethic, you know, be moral, be, you know, all those, you know, the natural, you know, golden rule type being brought up that way, Mm -hmm. good Catholic home. (laughs) And um, so all of that was just a great uh, set, I guess I'm going to say foundation Hmm. for what was to come. Yeah, that was the, actually the word that I was going through my mind at the same time, you know, created a base from which to build upon, mm-hmm. uh, like a house or a staircase. You start with the basement. Okay. You start at the first step to build the staircase. So when I say the word adversity to you, what comes to mind? Well, you know, it's funny because years ago, I would have said adversity, <laughs> not, not, not at all. But for me now, it just means there's Adversity. There's so much adversity in our lives on a daily basis. We don't even realize it is adversity because most of us cope with it and just move forward. But now when I look at adversity, I look at it as a challenge. I look at it as something that's going to make me stronger. Um, people, A lot of people look at adversity as a really tragic or horrible thing that they're dealing with, and a lot of times it is. But it, it just really depends on... Well, let's, let, let's visit that in terms of when... What kinds of things have caused adversity in your life? Well, at the age of 21, I was in my fourth year university studying visual art, and then to go on to become a teacher, I suffered a massive stroke that left me completely paralyzed on the left side and uh, legally blind. And so I had my life literally ripped from under my feet. I was driving, I was working, I was studying visual art, and pardon the pun, now I can't see anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I yeah. also had to learn to know, navigate only having one use of one side of my body. And people told me, oh, you're disabled, it's okay, you can stay home. And I looked at them and said, I'm 21, I have my entire life ahead of me, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, no. So, but I really had to start from scratch again, it was like a newborn. You know, so newborn. so how, how did that affect you emotionally? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I had stroke brain. I refer to it as stroke brain. It's not a proper clinical term by any stretch. But I still thought I could do everything. 
um, but I really couldn't. I couldn't move. <laughs> uh, I didn't go through the emotional sides of a stroke. So usually a lot of stroke survivors have a lot of emotional problems. They cry, they laugh, they get angry, mm-hmm. all of those things. And I didn't have any of it. And my mantra was, I have to be normal, whatever normal was. But at 21, being normal was going to get back in that car, drive and live by myself again. But the reality was that wasn't going to happen. So I had to find out what my new normal was. Well, when you talk about saying normal, mm-hmm. you took that mindset of normal Yet, how did other people engage with you or treat you or uh, call you? Well, this is it. It was really, really hard. You know, can imagine your parents having to watch their eldest daughter go through this and see their daughter having to learn to walk, to feed herself, to dress herself all over again. It was heartbreaking for them. But, again, I was so focused on what I was. But what I found is I lost a lot of friends. Nobody wanted Why would to that be? It was painful. Nobody wanted to be around me because I was different. I wasn't. I wasn't the same person. My one sister said to me years later, I hate you for stealing my sister. You're awful. And I kind of looked at her and said, what? Who, like, who was she talking to? You? She was talking to me, yes. But she was only 13 at the time, and this uh-huh. was her part of her, her way of, of grieving, right? Yeah. But in real life, it, she was true, because I was the cool sister who would drive around in my car, listen to cool music, and now I was in a wheelchair. And I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't see. And... So in her mind, I had changed completely, and I really had. But in her mind, she was just very angry. Well, it, it, it obviously affected you as first person, and it also, by extension, affected your sister in this of circumstance. Course, because she was someone that she had a relationship that was engaging and valued, and then all of a sudden, what happened to you, by extension, happened to her in, an, in another way. And I think everybody that faces adversity, we, ha- we forget about how it affects the people around us. We focus on how we are dealing. And, you know, that's probably what we need to do in the moment. But then really, we do need to consider how all the family members, our friends, and how it affects them because it's just part of life. Yes. At the same time, the reality is people can get uh, consumed with the, the new reality, the mm-hmm. new norm, and yeah. get caught up in that. And, what you know, that affects your emotional and your, your oh, spiritual. Yeah. Go through the grieving process for the person you used to be in order to accept who you have become. And that sometimes takes longer than you plan. So, how did you, like, at what point did you get the realization or the self awareness or whatever you want to call it? Okay. The sense that, hey, this is something that, quote, before this circumstance happened to me, then it happened, then I was, a, you know, I was going through a transition of some form with my mindset, and then you've transitioned again. Okay, well, I think it started, when this all happened, I was in a coma for two weeks. And you can hear, by the way, you can hear everything going on around you when you're in a coma, so people talk nicely. Don't give your life secrets to people speaking in a coma so, because they can so, hear you. So, so, so just to clarify that, yes. because, so when you're in a coma, yep. you're not in a, quote, I don't know, let's say, you, you correct me, conscious state of, of being able to communicate Though you are in a state that you can Here. appreciate, re- receive messaging? Mm-hmm, 100%. Uh, my sister came and told me she stole my case of peach gum. <laughs> At that time, this was a very big deal because I loved my gum. <laughs> and then other people would come and tell me, you know, you need to fight, you need to do this. And I had a dream, and it was a big oak tree. 
And on those beagle trees, my uncle and my grandfather had passed away. And behind was a bright light, and they kept saying, you're not fighting hard enough, you're not fighting hard enough. You, and, you kept hearing these messaging yeah, while you were in exactly. your state of... And I woke up, and uh, they said, you, you weren't supposed to live. Like, I had my last rites read to me as I laid there. I was like, what the heck, I'm still here, people. But... Yeah. So that was the start of it. And then as I started to, you know, get back to uh, some sort of a medical norm... Um, in the hospital, I had a chaplain come to me and say to me, and I was confused. Why did this happen? You know, you go through the why me, you go through all those things. And a chaplain came in and he said, you've been through a lot lately. And there was an episode with Jello. That's a long, that's a whole other story. I won't bore you with it. But I was covered in Jello when he came in and he said, how do you do it? I said, how do you think I'm doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he said to me, Melody, you know what? You have a choice you need to make. You're going to fight, or are you going to give up? And, and, and how did you take those words? Is fighting words? I, I, absolutely. At that time, I was like, who are you to tell me this? And you know what? I didn't maybe think at that moment, yes, okay, I'm going to fight. But after he had left, I lay, a lot of times I lay there and just think. I said, you know what? My life isn't over. I've been given a second chance. What am I going to do with it? So I think that's when the shift happened. And my whole mental outlook when I went to rehab hospital and then going on to become the first legally blind teacher to graduate in Ontario, I was like, yeah, no matter how many people told me you can't do it because of your disability, I said, watch me. So. I mean, yeah, it's one thing to say, okay, in spite of you and you telling me I can't do it, I think really what, what I hear is that you did it for yourself yes. first, mm-hmm. not in spite of other people. No, you that just, just give me the extra encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I had dreams and goals and why... You know, I just knew that, yes, it was going to be different, but I still needed to focus on that. And it wasn't easy by any stretch. I'm not making making light of it. It was a long process. And there was years after that I really didn't digest everything except the fact I was blind or that I could only use one arm because I had just become in survival mode and I was just surviving, not thriving. Right, yeah. I I also, you know, when people say the word survivor, I, you know, for me, I have a resistance to that word mm-hmm. because for me, it provides a limitation. Mm-hmm. You've come to a certain point and that's it. That's right. And I believe that if a person's gone through experiences similar to yours or others' situations for other people, that they've actually worked through them and they've gone to another level. That's right. And that's where you're using the word thrive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's, I think, where we need to really embrace and take that every day and put a, a challenge for ourselves. What else am I going to accomplish? Because life is so short and we have so much that we are capable of experiencing and doing. And, you know, being able to help others is such a great field to be in because you give back and, you you know, not only is it only about you anymore, even though you're, you know, you may be struggling with adversity and on an ongoing basis. When it, you help others, it takes away that negative aspect to adversity and yeah, you, and sunshine. You reframe the, the perceived mm-hmm. uh, negativity of that whole lived experience of adversity, whatever it is, yep. and turn it into hope, opportunity, possibility, yeah. tangibles that actually elevate and enrich yourself. I never would have thought I would have written a book, at, like, years ago. Never. Um, and it What's it called, by the way? Oh, My Unforeseen Journey, Losing Sight, Gaining Vision. 
And actually, that's where I met Vinita. She came to my book launch in December. It was great. Yeah, I was just about to ask you how you connected yeah. with her, too. So Yeah, so explain that. So I, I had a book launch at the Missouri Art Gallery on December 6th, and I was signing books, and she came up and she introduced herself to me. And she, I thought she was like this beautiful, stunning young woman, but she also told me a little bit about her story. And mm-hmm. then we stayed in touch and just started to connect. And I was like, wow, this is somebody. And then she suggested this kind of idea, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and when this idea of doing this particular conversation, it's before COVID-19. Yes, it was. We and were to be in the studio with you. <laughs> yeah, that was the intention. Yes. And so you do rely on uh, assistance in terms of transportation. That's right, it's accessible transportation, and of course right now it's very limited. It's yeah. only medical appointments and grocery shopping. So... For everybody's safety, you know, this is the way, and thank goodness for technology that we are able to make it work. Well, I, you know, I still want to, well, that's why I value the conversations that mm-hmm. we have on this program and giving people access to the information to gain the insight of through other people's lived experiences and how that can enrich other people's lived experiences. Yes, and, you know, it's true, and I, I think, you know, what I, like, you know, people to really realize, and that's what my book is all about, un- coping and overcoming unforeseen change in our lives, because we deal with it on a daily basis when you think about it, whether it's a breakup of a relationship, a death in the family, or a loss of a job, and right now there's so much of that, right? And we really just have a choice. Everybody, one of us has a choice. Are we going to fight, or are we going to say, oh, poor me, and curl up into a ball? And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that little bit of that, because of course we have to grieve, but I think we really just need to focus on this, so that, that's why this is a great opportunity. Spoke earlier half of the program with uh, Vanita Puri, and you two are connected mm-hmm. because of circumstances, you were at an event, yeah. though there's also connection because of your lived experiences. Exactly. Different from each other, though... A, con- a way to connect. For sure, it's true. You know, it's amazing. There's so many different types of um, eye conditions, and but yet we go through this similar lived experiences and the challenges we face. So being able to connect on that level is really important. So what have you learned about yourself over these years, about well, your, uh, your, you know, adversity, just that whole lived experience? It's funny, my father always used, my mom and my dad actually both used to say I was very stubborn as a growing up, and I like to say determined. Yeah, it's <laughs> a reframe, nice. <laughs> I, I, totally. And I, I'm very focused, but I knew that I always wanted to be a teacher, um, I'm resil- but I never knew how resilient I was. I never knew what, I think I put limits on myself, and I think we all do that as human beings, um, because we're afraid, afraid yeah. of failure. Yeah. So, I, as I mentioned, I never thought I'd be an author. I never thought I'd help others with disabilities. I never thought, you know, I advocate for individuals. I go out and I, you know, do talks and presentations. I'm a public speaker. You know, all these things I never thought I would do. What do you teach, by the way? Uh, Special education. So I teach life skills. I teach radio broadcasting. Mm. And I teach uh, public speaking skills. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a connection there, too. There you go. The radio part, anyways. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Actually, yeah, for sure. And for me, I've gone through a lot of adverse stuff, and I'm not going to compare or have you feel that you need to compare. You know, we have our own backstory and experiences, and I think for me, many of my adverse situations have been an impetus for me to connect with them 
and reframe them from the experience of negativity in the moment or the for a time afterwards to then channel it in a manner to make something from it and build it into something for the positive. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's well said, Greg. So what does having this conversation mean to you? You know, honestly, it is such a great opportunity because I think, you know, as many people hear the word adversity, they don't think it applies to them. They just automatically assume, oh, no, I'm not going, I'm not sick, I don't have a disability, mm-hmm. I don't have any of the big traumas, right? But really, truly, we face adversity every day. You know, look at what we're going through right now with COVID, what adversity is. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, going to the grocery store, <laughs> how am I going to do it? How am I going to navigate it? How am I going to do this? And, you know, I think we could easily go, oh, my goodness, I'm stuck at home and think how negative this opportunity is. And I'm stuck and I can't work and I can't do this and I can't do that and focus on the, the negative side of it. But we have an opportunity to learn from this adversity and, you know, grow and take the opportunity. I think it's made, made us pause life for a bit and really reflect on where we're at and what we value and what's important to us and really get close to the things we kind of lost focus of, our family relationships, our connections with friends, um, things we love to do. I know my, my sister in the U.K. is now playing board games with her son and husband every day. I'm like, oh, I'm Is this the same sister that he no, said earlier? Okay. <laughs> but all of them, all of my sisters are amazing, and they teach me so much every day. But you know what? Just When was the last time you played a board game, Greg? Like, honestly. But this is the time for family, yeah. and this is the time to just kind of and see what comes next because this opportunity has allowed me to take more courses online, more spend more time doing speaking engagements, things like that. And who would have thought that? Because life isn't as busy as it used to be. There's just some pause. And we have to think of all those people sacrificing and putting their life in, 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 in danger for us to be okay, you know, the frontline workers. And we really just need to be thankful and grateful so much. This gratitude journal is a very good thing at this time, I feel. You obviously are gifted and equipped with a particular mindset mm-hmm. that's allowed you to channel and reframe your adverse lived experiences of adversity to be opportunities to enrich yourself and elevate yourself to another level. And you continue to do so. So that's an inspiration for other people. There are other people who are not as equipped with the same kind of mentality or mindset, and they struggle. And they continue to struggle. And even when there's more layers, it becomes even more problematic. What could you share to people? Well, this does not happen overnight. This is my stroke was 25 years ago. I've had a long time to to, to deal with this. Um, Journaling helps so much, getting your thoughts out on paper, talking to whether it's a, you know, a professional, talking to a, a, a trusted family member or friend, that isn't going to judge how you're feeling because you are entitled to feel the way you feel. But we also have to realize it's easy to get caught in a trap of depression or negative thoughts, and we just really have to focus on trying our very best to turn those negatives into positive, looking at the silver lining of things. And again, it does sound easy when you say it, but it's not. It's a long process. But just know that you're not alone. Everybody goes through this. Everybody. You have that little voice in your head, and mm-hmm. it's normal to get those negative thoughts, but just acknowledge that it's just a thought. So what do you hope people appreciate from 
our conversation on adversity. What can they take away from it to sort of say, okay, mm, I heard this. What can I do now differently? There, there's always hope. I think it's really, really important. There's always tomorrow. Every day we have is a gift, and you just need to always know that whether the sun is going to shine or it's not, that you have a blank slate to paint or a blank canvas to paint a beautiful pa- painting, and the choice is yours. So which choice are you going to make? And just that's, that's it, you know. But please know you're not alone, and this isn't going to be happening overnight. But every day, if we have a positive thought, I like Finita's talk about the inspirational quotes because those are always good. You know, social media can be so negative sometimes. Mm-hmm. When you have those positive thoughts, enjoy them. Think about them and just really reflect on them, what they mean to you. So I want to touch base briefly. When you were in the state of, quote, the coma, mm-hmm. and you heard all these things, yes. you recall all the Every, things that were shared? Yes, I do. People <laughs> thought, okay, she's not going to live. I'm going to tell her what I'm doing, all these Yeah, all like, the deep secrets. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's funny because when I woke up, I asked my sister, where's my peach gum? She's like, what? <laughs> That's your next book. Yeah, it's in my first one. You need to get it and deep, read it. <laughs> deep secrets <laughs> revealed. <laughs> oh, yeah, can you imagine? My family members and friends would not be happy if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I know the truth about, you know, I know the real backstory yeah. here. You didn't think, uh, well, you were dealing with somebody that uh, you didn't you didn't put quite the same value as you put for yourself. We're going to close out very soon. Anything you want to share? As a... I just want to say thank you, Greg, for having this platform for us to have these conversations and to let the, the audience know that there's people out there that really care about what they're going through and how they can sort out what they're dealing with, and you provide great resources, so thank you for that. Well, part of it is to say to people that this big message, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. There are other individuals out there who've lived through things in their own way and are continuing to live and they've been able to navigate those differently and they can be an inspiration or a motivation for someone else to take and reframe and build upon and into positivity or hope thanks you know and it's true i think you nailed it you know isolation and feeling alone is the scariest place to fear the unknown is a terrible place to be so but once again thank you for this i I appreciate it very much you and vanita and uh, we'll see what's next. Yes, hopefully an in-studio interview sometime yeah. soon. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Okay, after oh, COVID. <laughs> oh, for, for sure. <laughs> okay, you take care uh, of yourself. All the very best. All right, you too. Have a good night. Good night. So uh, we're going to close out and appreciate the, the conversation tonight. And I look forward to next week. It's another conversation. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA, 1610 AM. <laughs>